We're going we're gonna to continue on in God's Word today. Um, in, in our series, we're calling We Are at War, where we're talking about spiritual warfare. Um, and, it, and it came about because we, we, we saw some things happening in families and people we were talking to in our church. Um, that, but, but really, this is a rea- the reality is we are always at war with the enemy. We may not be doing it intentionally, but he's always being intentional. So what we want to take in this season of, of six, seven weeks as we go through the armor of God is to be very intentional and say, Man, how do I protect myself against the strategies of the enemy? Thankfully, I don't have to come up with that. Paul gave us great direction and guidance in Ephesians uh, chapter 6. Um, and, and so the, the last week or two weeks ago, we talked about the belt of truth, the first part of the armor of God. And today we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Um, Title of the sermon, Righteousness, Do What's Right. Last time it was Know What's Real. You want to get ready for the enemy to come at you? He's going to tell you all kinds of lies. He's going to get you believing stuff about yourself that's not true. Uh, Stuff about your friends and your family that's not true. Stuff about the world that's not true. Um, and, And so we got to know what's true first. That's what holds us all together. And we talked about Scripture being the foundation of truth and then Jesus Christ himself, the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're going to know what's real. Today we're going to do what's right. Uh, that's pretty straightforward. should be simple. And it kind of is, kind of is not. Um, and who knows what this list is? The Ten Commandments. Um, th- th- this is actually a picture of, uh, I think this is outside of First Baptist Church over here in town. We, we moved close by over there, and uh, when I go out walking, I, I saw this sign. I was, I, was, I was praying over the last two weeks about this passage and this message. Um, I was walking by this sign, and as I was thinking about do what's right and putting on righteousness, I saw the Ten Commandments. And I went back to like a little kid, to VBS and Sunday school, and learning the Ten Commandments. And uh, y'all, y'all remember that, some of you? you? Grew up in the Bible Belt, you probably learned the Ten Commandments. And, and, and I started thinking about those now in my uh, adult life and seeing them and all that God has shown me and all I've learned about Him and the Gospel as I was looking at them. And, and, and I just really, um, man, God started stirring some things in me and I just want to share them with you. Uh, one is, I think, Maybe sometimes in Christianity, we are, we are really quick to say when someone behaves well, we say, wow, they're such a good Christian, right? You say, man, they're a good, it's a good Christian guy. She's got a new boyfriend. It's a good Christian guy, right? Is that what we say? So thankful that he's a good Christian guy. And I thought about the, these, these Ten Commandments, and I, I thought about the times we struggle in our Christian walk and that, that times you may feel, and from the outside, well, people look at Christianity and think, well, those are people who obey the Ten Commandments. And you begin to ask yourself, well, how do I get to heaven? Well, you don't lie, you don't steal, you don't covet, you don't cheat on your spouse, you honor your mom and dad. Like this is, and if, and if we're not careful, okay, if we're not careful, we'll take the Ten Commandments and when we'll create this, this religion that's super dangerous, we will create a religion of behavior modification. 
where we will teach our kids, hey, you just got, here's the Ten Commandments, here's the rules, and we'll go to BBS, and we'll go to Sunday school and kids ministry, and they'll say, here's what you got to do. Now, if you lie, you'll go to hell. <laughs> All right? And we're tempted to say things like that, right? Trying to keep them, we threaten them with this. And we find out that's not true at all. That, that one lie doesn't send you hell. It, it's our failure to fulfill this in its entirety that puts us in that position, the position in which we're found when we're born. And really, the, uh, the, the only way out of it is one way out. One person who said, I am the way the truth, and the life. Uh, I want to just share with you a little bit about the law. Why do we have the law if it's not about, here's the rules i got to follow to get into heaven? You know, see, that the scary part about that is you go your whole life, and you're weighing the good and the bad, and it depends on when you die, man. Today, I day had a bad day, and I died today, and I hadn't repented, and I did bad stuff. Or you're going all the way, and you think you're going to you know, put on scales of the good you've done, the bad you've done. And you see... To, to be perfect and get into heaven by works, you've got to have no bad, none. And none of us can do that. Actually, the Bible says our righteousness, there's filthy rags. But we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and, and just lie. everybody in here is told a lie, and if you say you haven't, you just did again. <laughs> all right, so let's just take that one. And, and maybe you say, well, I don't intentionally lie. Well, sometimes you do, and sometimes you omit things when it's convenient. Like, you've got all kinds of ways to be deceptive, and at some point in your life, you've deceived somebody. And that's a sin. Romans 5.18, Paul reminds the church of Rome, the, the new believers, he says, this is what the law is really for. You see, Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone, all mankind. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. And because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Then he says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. God's law was given. These Ten Commandments were given so that we could use them to line our life up against them. be like, man, I can't do it. Every single one of us can't do it tried failed can't be perfect can't get that old testament is left of that we talked about it last week you sunday i think it was will at the keyboard said the old testament leaves us in this place like it's up to our own good works to fulfill all these commandments and rules to make god love us and yet we have the new testament for which we should be very thankful that changes this whole discussion and all of this dialogue about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. There's really two principles in the Bible about righteousness that we're going to talk about this morning to help us understand how do I put that on? How do I put righteousness in my life? How do I do what's right? Because it's important to do what's right. But heaven doesn't depend on it, okay? That's where I want to get us to in a minute. So I want to talk about the two principles here of how to put on righteousness in your life so you can stand firm against the enemy. 
First, let's read this passage in Ephesians chapter 6 again. It says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Do you want to stand your ground against the enemy? After everything that happened, after all the battles and the victories and the discouragement and the, the tears and the brokenheartedness, do you want to stand? Then he gives us some direction. He says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Breastplate protects your heart. I think Paul is saying here that, that, that the enemy wants to get to your heart, and there's a way to protect it, and it is through righteousness. It is through doing good, doing the right things. He says you've got to put it on. Two principles of, of what are we going to put on. First one, as I say, uh, you've got to start here. It's critically important. This righteousness that we put on is not our own. It is not, is not yours, and I don't put mine on to stand before heaven. Because those ten things that we can't do, there was a man who came and walked and didn't just, didn't just make a shot at it and get close. He fulfilled it perfectly. The expectations that God put on our life and the, the, the guidance and the directions and the laws and rules for how we should live and treat one another, Jesus did it without fault. Did it perfectly. And so how do we put on that righteousness? How do we put on his righteousness? Romans 4, 5 says, But people are counted as righteousness, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Paul said it again like this in the book of Philippians. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Are you with me for a minute? Are you with me that we cannot put on our own righteousness? That it's not up to us. We can't work it out. We can't take those Ten Commandments and live by them. We leave out such a critical part of what Christianity is. If we go to, here's the rules, we've got to follow them. Here's the rules, we've got to follow them. We leave a critical part of this out, the part that you can't follow them. <laughs> and then we need a Savior. And if we are a Christian, we've been saved because we put our faith in Him. So we put our righteousness on, putting on the righteousness of Christ. So what's that mean with the law? Well, what do we do with it? All these rules so we don't follow them? They don't apply to us anymore? Paul said in Romans 7, but now we have been released from the law. Woo, party! <laughs> Freedom! Do whatever we want. And we have not been released from the constant of the law. You have been released from the pressure of the law, from the, 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 the curse of the law, from the pressure to fulfill it perfectly so God will see you as righteous. That's done. It's over. You've given your life to Christ. Romans 8 1 says there is no condemnation. God will never be mad at you. Again, you put your life in Jesus. It is done. Are you with me for a minute? There is no condemnation. If you're a Christian that's walking around scared, I messed up again. God doesn't love me anymore. 
Maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I'm going to go to hell because of what I did today. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you put your faith in him, you are in him. You've been released from the law. God is never going to hold you to that standard again because he's going to look on your sins and see white as snow righteousness, the blood of Christ. Man, that's something to shout about. Something to be excited about. It says, for we, are di we had died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God not in the old way of obeying the letter of law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. You're a new creation. Church is not just a thing that you adopt and it's the new, the new here's how I'm going to try to live my life. It's not the new fad diet or the fad way of living or the self-help manual. Now all these, these rules and laws and commandments, they will help you in life because it's how God designed the world to work. When you live it, life is better. But the, the danger, okay, the danger of that is that we make the, re the religion about that. And we miss the part because you can fake all that. Some of you right here, right now, are probably faking that. You there for a second? You're going through the motions. You're going to church. You're giving. You're living right. You're trying to do all the things. Being Christian, and God's just saying, I just want your heart. I want to remind you, you can't do it. You're idolizing yourself. You think you've got this all worked out on your own because you've done good things. And yet in your heart, you're greedy and you're selfish, and you're doing this for your own good reason. You're doing it for your own reputation. He said, this is about me. I want your heart. I don't want that first. Give me your heart first and let me work through you. That's what I want. That's what he wants from us. Verse 7 says, well, then am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. I would never know that coveting is wrong. If I wouldn't have read, thou shalt not covet. You wouldn't know that lying was wrong. You wouldn't know that you were going against God if we wouldn't have first had these rules. Eight, one, I already read it. getting a lot from Romans this morning. How would I get there? I don't know, but this is where God took us. I know we started in Ephesians, but we're talking about righteousness. We've got to figure out how to get it on, okay? We've got to figure out how to get that breastplate of righteousness on us. It says, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Can I tell you, if you're a Christian, you have already died. You are now living into eternity in him. In him, you are living into eternity. You've died to that old way. All right. So here we come. This is the, the question. So I'm in him. Uh, I'm no longer. I've died to the law. It's over. We're, I, I don't, I'm, I'm freed from it. And, and so now my, my half joke earlier was it's party time, right? And so, so this is what Paul talks to us in chapter 6 in Romans. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Yeah, you mean as, as sin abounds, grace abounds even more? And here's what he says. He's like, that does not even make sense. He says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So, so what, what I want you to see here 
Is that, is, that, that the content of the, the law and the rules and the Ten Commandments and everything that goes along with and what God told us and Jesus spoke and commandments he gave, all those are incredibly good and beneficial. He says, <laughs> just because we've been saved for eternity doesn't mean we can now do whatever we want. It says your heart has changed. See, as a new believer, you're not, not just, you're going to mess up sometimes and there'll probably be even seasons you get into habitual sin. That can happen for a believer. That, that can happen. He says, but in general, your attitude towards sin is going to change. Adrian Rogers said, I used to, when I, when I was lost, I used to run towards sin. I loved it. More of it, the better. He said, then I got saved and I ran from it. And there would be times I'd mess up and I'd see it in my life. And I'd be like, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And I'd pick myself up and I'd run from it again. And so what happens when a believer sins? This is, the, this is the second really part. First one, you can put on the breastplate of righteousness. It better not be yours. Okay, first, don't start with your righteousness. Start by putting on Jesus Christ. How do you put him on? Simply by believing. Simply by believing him. Romans 5, 1, he said, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how much sin has been in your life, where you are right now, what has been, what you're going to do this week. His Calvary is enough to cover it all if you put your trust in him. Second thing. So we put on his righteousness. Then we have what is known as the continuing righteousness in our life that comes as a response to the gift of God's grace. This is in a, in a truly regenerate believer there will be a sincere desire out of gratitude for God's gift of grace to pursue purity and righteousness and holiness in our life. A, a, a true believer that loves sin and takes pride in it and honors it really does not exist. That's not a biblical thing. A, a true believer has a heart to be more and more and more like Christ, the one who saved you, who while you were in your sins, while you were and utterly hopeless, died for you. Because he did that for you, we have this desire to live for him. 1 John 5, 3 says, Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is part of the attitude that changes. I saw the Ten Commandments as a kid, as a teenager, especially in college, as burdensome. Took the fun out of life. It's too hard to get there. And then as a, as a genuine believer, I began to change my attitude from burdensome to beneficial. All right, that I can see how this actually benefits my life in positive ways. The less I lie, the more people trust me. <laughs> the more I, I, I practice uh, 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 being honest, the, you know, the, the, the less you steal from your neighbor, the more peace you're going to have. Okay? 
Like there are just in and of itself, the law is good. It is beneficial. It helps us live a more peaceful life. The more you go against God's design for the way we're supposed to live and go against his laws and commandments and rules, the more chaos, dysfunction, heartbreak, discord is going to be in your life. Like it's that simple. It's that simple. When you go and you can take any part of what he says, and when you go against it, life gets more difficult. Maybe not immediately. You may have some pleasure in it. You may be a drug dealer and making a lot of money for a while and think, man, I, I got all this stuff going. Hey, I went one time with a friend in college to a drug dealer at Wheelwright. Can I be, you, everybody went, this just got way real. <laughs> I'd never been to a drug dealer's house. I, this guy was my roommate. He's like, let's go back to where I'm from. I went with him, and we landed in a place I'd never been before and never went back to. Looked like a, a shanty on the side of the hill. We walked in. There was flat screen. This was 20 years ago. Flat screen TVs everywhere. Like the place was decked out. Now, I, I want to tell you that there, there will be a season of life where sin is pleasurable. The enemy will deceive you into thinking this is the quickest path to financial success. It's the quickest path to happiness. And it will, just like the man who built his house on a firm foundation or on the, the sand it will all crumble beneath you. It, it, even if it, it says, be sure your sins will find you out. You see, even if we're carrying dark sins that only I know about in my life and only you know about in your life, it affects your witness and your relationship with God. You walk into a place like this and you see other people and you think, if they just knew real, the real me, they wouldn't love me. And guess what? We would. We absolutely would. But you may not talk to people because you're afraid and you're carrying shame and guilt and the things that, that only you know about. And so I want to share with you three things that happen when we sin as Christians. What are the consequences? The first one is a broken witness. This is the one where, you know, you, you know your unbelieving friends, you say, you should, you, what do you think about Jesus? And you think, well, I know the people that go to that church, and if they can go to heaven, anybody can go to heaven, right? <laughs> and, and, and so our, our sin in our life, if it's anger, if it's, if it's financial things, if it's materialism and greed, if it's, if it's uh, hatefulness, if it's complaining, if it's negativity, whatever it is in our life, if, if those are the things, the more we do that, the, the more we tarnish the witness of Jesus. And it makes it more difficult to witness and share and talk about. I'm a changed man. What? <laughs> it affects our witness. So it affects their perspective of Jesus and it affects the relationship with Jesus. The second thing is it ends up in broken relationships. When we as a believer and we get lax and we say, well, I'm saved. I know I got this one thing and I watch whatever I want and I say whatever I want and we do whatever we want. But I'm a believer. You, you can live like that for a little bit, but a, a real believer will feel conviction over that and will not be having the heart of asking the question, how much can I sin and still get away with it? Right? That's not the heart of a, a genuine believer. But it begins to break relationships if you, if you sin outside in, in your marriage, if you, if you sin by uh, uh, abusing your children or maybe... Maybe uh, uh, we find ourselves in broken relationships because someone else has sinned. Maybe while you were a child, you were abused. Maybe there's things that happen in your life. This is just 
One, it hurts you and it hurts those around you. So you say, something bad happened to me in my life. It could be because you did something wrong. It could just be the way God's working things out. It could be that someone around you is saying, this is the fact of living in a broken, sinful world. It's a struggle. The struggle is real. It breaks relationships uh, and, and family, friends, work around us. It also begins to affect our relationship with God. That clear voice you heard at one time from the Holy Spirit and guidance and direction who will walk with you is now not so clear. It becomes, begins to get muddier and muddier and, and, and you're beginning to wonder, is Christ even living? Where's God gone? And the reality is you're just letting some habitual sin, rebellion, pride, something into your life. James said if we would draw close to God, he would draw close to us. And then he says, wash your hands. It's almost not a, the... the the thought of purifying yourself, removing sin from your life in a very intentional way. In Hebrews 12, the writer writes, when we get ready to run the race that's set before us, we've got to lay aside every sin that entangles us. So maybe it's the specific one that, that is habitual that you can't get. He says, you've got to get a hold of that thing so you can run the race with the highest of endurance. And then the, the third thing that happens is uh, a broken spirit. Really, it's just um, when we let sin in our life, we start to get down on ourselves. Even if it's even if it's not a major sin, even if it's just fear. You say, "Why am I afraid? Why am I doubting?" And we're tempted to go back. And think our salvation depends on us being perfect. We forget that Jesus has saved us and he loves us. We have a loving father right where we are. It doesn't abandon us. And that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what do we do? How do we apply this as we close? Really two things. I said all that to say this first. Um, if you're not a believer here today, if you've never professed Christ publicly, you know, followed it up with baptism and given Christ your life, run to Jesus. <laughs> I think it's a simple, it's such a simple thing. Just run to Jesus. The consequences of this one much worse than the other one. See, if we fail to put on Christ's righteousness, there will be a day where we stand before God and, and only our sin and our works will be visible before him and you'll be judged on how you've lived and what you've done. He's done everything he can to rescue you from that condition that we were born into with his hand outstretched to rescue from the curse and the punishment and the power of sin. I think of it a lot, and you've heard me use this illustration. God is kind of like uh, uh, a doctor that might go to a third world country and knows all the people there are suffering um, uh, from some certain disease, and he has everything there to heal them. 
And if the doctor goes there, the greatest thing, the greatest honor you could give that doctor for the people that were there would be to come and be healed, not to pretend like they don't have the disease, not to try to hide the disease. He knows you're sick. <laughs> he knows you are broken with sin. He knows you're born into this curse. And he's done everything he can do waiting on you to accept the gift. Nothing could honor him more than you to submit and surrender and admit and say, I can't do it. I trust in you. A second thing for believers. See, as we're running to Jesus and pursuing the Spirit-led life, the turn is really results in us running from sin. <laughs> okay? You will get in a, uh, a, you will be tempted to get into a treadmill of life where you're just running from sin. <laughs> you can't ever escape that. Run to Jesus. But in doing it, I want you to take inventory of your own life and say, God, where have I let sin creep in? Because we all have in some way, in some place. Maybe it's the things you listen to. Maybe it's the things you watch. Maybe it's letting things into your family. The enemy's using these little places that you've opened up the door into sinful things. And, and, and he's coming through there. And you know what? When you take down the breastplate of righteousness, he gets to your heart. He gets to your kids' hearts. He says, you want to stand firm at the end of this. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Do what's right. Pretty simple. I took a long time to say, do what's right. It's the first thing I told you. I get these calls a lot, and we counsel a lot of people here. And Man, they're getting all kinds of messes, extramarital affairs, uh, drugs. Um, I mean, just all these things, we're all, we're dealing with all these messes, and it can get really confusing in the middle of all that. Sometimes we say, what do I do? The answer is always the next right thing. We've got to realize that bad decisions come with consequences on this side of, of heaven, okay? You can't immediately fix bad things you've done, but the, the path forward is always the next right thing. The next right thing, tell the truth, apologize, work it out, be humble, all these things. This is the way to start. Is it going to get perfect immediately? No, but it's going to slow down the chaos in your life. If right now you just start doing what is right. Christians run from sin. I don't preach this type of message a lot, but this is where we're at. And it is, uh, it is, it is real. And sometimes we lose sight of our gratitude and the importance of walking in God's laws. Not out of desperation. We're not doing this so we can go to heaven. We do this because we're going to heaven. Okay? Don't carry that weight. All right? So do what's right. Do good things. Don't do bad things. I don't have to go into all that, do I? <laughs> do good things. Don't do bad things. It's one more piece of armor. It's one more piece of protection. 
one more guard against the enemy. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh God, I thank you so much that my salvation does not rest upon me. I'm so thankful that when you, when you saved us, you, you just didn't save us from the penalty of sin. You saved us from the power of sin in our life. That you made us new creations. That over time, that, that the world should know us by the fruit in which we bear. God, would you just give us this, uh, the, the, this, this renewed hunger for purity and righteousness and holiness in our life. God, show us the things that we've let become weak points in our commitment to you and in our walk so that we could, we could renew and strengthen our witness for you, God. Uh, uh, give, us, give us the strength that, that, that we would do right things so we could rebuild relationships and reconcile and restore things that, that we feel like are, are forever broken. God, would you, would you show us the things that would, that would restore uh, our spirit, that we'd be renewed day by day, that we'd be encouraged again and find strength again in your mighty power and not our own. If there's anyone in here today, God, that has never ran to you for the first time, God, let this be a day they choose you. They just accept this gift of outreach hands. Put on your 